Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Gamers Tavern. This episode was recorded live at Comic Palooza in Houston, Texas. Comic Palooza is an absolutely amazing convention and you'll definitely want to add it to your calendar for next year. Because of how the panel ended up, I didn't really get to talk that much about what I did and I definitely want to give a shout out to an event I... Didn't get a chance to mention it at the show, uh, but on Saturday night, the Geek Girl Illuminati and 8th Dimension Comics and Games threw a party. While it didn't have the open bar the Skirmisher Party had, there were some epic games of Geek Out, Betrayal at House on the Hill, Starflux, Munchkin, Pandemic, and a lot of other games. If you're in the Houston area, keep an eye out for their events coming in the future. With that said, grab a drink from the bar and take a seat at the table in the corner while I tell you a little bit about our new sponsor, Noble Knight Games. What's old is new again, with Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition fitting perfectly in tone with the classic modules, and new editions of Rifts, Call of Cthulhu, and a lot of other classic games coming out. Sometimes you just pine for that module that you ran as a kid, or you missed out on that classic iconic adventure that's been out of print for decades. Noble Knight is the place to go with an amazing stock of out-of-print and hard-to-find games. They also carry miniature war games like Warhammer, Battletech, and War Machine, and a huge selection of Magic the Gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Not only are their prices unmatched, but you know exactly what you're getting and what condition it's in. No more random guessing as whether a used bookstore can be trusted to know how many maps came in the Waterdeep box set. Noble Knight knows gaming and knows exactly what you're looking for. So go to GamersTavern.org slash Noble Knight to support the show as you build your collection of classic gaming books. The Gamers Tavern Podcast is sponsored by Pinnacle Entertainment Group's Savage Worlds game, featuring Deadlands, 50 Fathoms, East Texas University, Weird Wars, and dozens of fantastic licensees. Savage Worlds is fast, furious, and fun. Hello, listeners of the Gamers Tavern. Recently, we did our contest regarding the Van Buren Fallout 3 RPG episode that we recorded with Chris Avalone. And we had a contest where we asked you for Fallout Haiku. Isn't that right, Daryl? That's right. Uh, we had three winners uh, based on the contest entries that were chosen by Chris himself. See, these these are so cool. I thought that we should read them all out. And our first entry comes from Brianna Reeves. Uh, Ross? All right. Brianna Reeves. Our first entry reads as follows. Dystopian Wilds. Drought and war brindled nation. Horrors found throughout. All right. And our second entry comes from Mark Hickman. Raider in my sight. My shotgun in both strong hands. A chance for a groin shot. <laughs> I like that one. And our third entry comes from Stephen DiPietro. All right. Stephen DiPietro. Here's his entry. A game with nukes, a world full of spooks and kooks. Veni, vidi, vici. That's great. This, of course, you know what that's that's Latin for. I came, I saw, and I conquered. Yep. Our next entry is from Julio de Hoyos. Uh, Wait, can you say that again? Uh, prob- <laughs> pr- probably not. No, uh, I don't think I said it right the first time. Uh, but his entry is dumb dog meat. Come back. Room full of super mutants. So glad there's puppies. Nice. Nice. And our next entry comes from Daniel Auger. Nuclear winter. Bottle caps turned change chatter. Gibbs take to the air. (laughs) And the only name I have on this one is Isaac. 
But Isaac says, The mutt bit my leg. He really wants to be pet. Sit, ubu, sit, stay. <laughs> nice. Our next entry is from Michael Baker. Damn you, sentry bot, with your minigun and rockets. Push forward or not. <laughs> That's good. I like that one. Our next entry is from J.F. Baudouin. Baudouin? Uh, he's Baudouin, I think. Uh, poss- well, that is a Kubikoi name. And so it's with the French and I may be it's, half Cajun, but I never picked up the dialect. It's, it's so. Quebecois. <laughs> it's S- see what I mean? See what I mean? I'm a bad Cajun. I believe it's, I believe it's pronounced Boudoin, but if it's, if it's not, we do apologize, sir. All right. Uh, but his haiku is, or her haiku, it's just a initials. So apologies if I have the gender wrong as well. The master awaits. Chosen one roams the wastes. War never changes. Oh, that's good because it gets that that one line from Fallout in there. And our next is from Colin Packham. All right, Colin. Wasteland underfoot. Plasma rifle in hands. Vault 13, I'm home. (laughs) These are great. I'm I'm so glad we decided to do this. I know. Uh, Next up is Dylan Ramsey. Pip-Boy is broken. What could possibly go wrong? Eleven death claws. <laughs> nice. And uh, next is Daniel Sainz. Sainz. S A E N Z. Okay. Daniel. Mm-hmm. Ian shoots monster. Ian crits you for forty damage. You have died. Okay, you know, I like it, but at the same time, I have to say you can't really split the sentence across the two lines. <laughs> yeah. I, I give him, you know, A for effort, but it, you know, <laughs> that, 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 it's kind of a nice try on that one, I think. But uh, I, I like the fact he's referring back to how Ian used to always shoot you when he was trying to hit the monster. Yeah. All right, and our final entry comes from Marcus Berg. Madman walks desert. Shotgun, one arm, black leather. Heat stroke. Hey, free stuff. <laughs> so what are our winners? Our winners are, let's see, it was haiku number one, which was uh, Brianna Reeves. Right. Haiku number three from Stephen DiPietro. Right. And haiku number 10 from Dylan Ramsey. Nice. Yeah, the, the number 10, the, the 11 Death Claws one, that was <laughs> – that was really hard to beat. I was honestly, <laughs> I was eyeing that one going, yeah, boy, that's, that's tough. But, you know, thanks everybody. We really appreciate you participating in the contest. All of those were great haikus. Veni vidi vici. I do like that one. A world full of spooks and kooks. There were some really good ones in there. We all let this, uh, we'd let them all be judged by Chris Avalone. And I believe everybody who participated is actually getting something. Isn't that right, Daryl? Uh, yes. Everyone who entered is going to be getting a cartoon emailed to them drawn by Chris. And he draws these these little stick people cartoons, like stick figure theater is kind of his thing. Uh, so they're 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 really entertaining. They're always cool, and it's a neat little thing from the designer of Fallout Three. So I think anybody who 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 wants one should definitely get one because they're really cool. And with that said, on with the show. Welcome to the special Gamers Tavern episode at Comic Palooza. I'm your host, Ross Watson. And I'm Daryl Mott Jr. 
And we have with us some guests in the audience who are here uh, to attend Comic Palooza. Who do we who do we have? What's your name, sir? Dwayne Fox. And we have Daniel Reed, Paul Sward. Did I get that right? Okay, fantastic. And we're hoping to have some other folks show up as well because we invited, I think, a ton of people to come by and kind of hang out at our booth while we do our show. Yeah, it was basically, uh, hey, we're recording at this time. Do you think you can make it? Oh, yeah, I'll totally make it. I've got this thing at this time and this thing at this time, but I should be able to squeeze it in. We had about eight people say that, so we should have at least one, maybe two people show up. And if we sound weird, it's because Daryl's on the complete opposite side of the room for me. <laughs> and also we're on, uh, actually the convention has these very, very nice sure mics, which this is going to really interest our gaming crowd when I start talking about audiophile stuff. But these microphones are a hell of a lot better than the ones I brought. So, so yeah, quick note to the actual studio audience. If any of you guys want to come up and talk about Comic Palooza, just raise your hand and we'll get you right up here. But if not, and that's totally fine, we will probably just talk about what we did here, uh, more or less. Is that right? Okay, so why don't we start with you, Daryl? You uh, got here when? Uh, I got here on uh, Thursday evening, and uh, I worked on Thursday during the day, so when I got here, I went straight to the hotel, passed the hell out. <laughs> Very exciting Thursday night for Daryl. Oh, yeah, but uh, because I passed out so early, I ended up waking up at like 6.30 in the friggin' morning. Well, I say passed out early. I laid down early. I didn't actually fall asleep until 2 a.m. because... I don't actually have cable at my house, so I usually just watch like YouTube and stuff. I'm not used to the the uh, Food Network marathons of like Chopped and Kitchen Nightmares and everything, so I, I that kind of threw me a little bit. Oh man, I love. So. I got to be honest with you, I love Kitchen Nightmares. You can sit me down in front of <laughs> anything with Gordon Ramsay in it, frankly, and I'll just watch the hell out of it. And joining us right now is Lauren Reber, who is our third host. She is our social media expert and has been basically keeping the entire show on track all weekend. Thank you very much, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks to Lauren. There's like pictures of us on the internet proving that we are actually here. Yes. Doing things. Yeah, I was, I've been bad about not taking the pictures. But I, and I have gotten on to him for not taking the pictures. Yeah, I, took, I took a lot of pictures, but they're usually of like people in costume or the dealer's hall or just like weird stuff that is cool. I've been taking random photos as well, but yeah. I'm making sure to get pictures of all of us together in the same place. Yes, when we are <laughs> together in the same place. Oh my goodness. And um, making sure that our listeners know where we are, what room we're in, and where we're going to be in. Right. Do our listeners know we're here right now? Yes, they do. And they know that thanks to you. Yes. So everybody who who uh, reads about us on Facebook or hears about us on Twitter, uh, you have Lauren to thank for keeping up with that very yes, taxing and demanding job. Follow <laughs> me on Twitter at Texas Dragonfly Girl. Nice. Nice. Gosh, uh, was was it Will Will Thrasher who had the most interesting uh, Twitter handle? I think it was. Oh yeah, his is like. Internet president or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He's he, Will Thrasher is like the most amazing Twitter. I was like, God, how did you get that? Uh, I want to. I want to try and, and see if I get an, gaming and, chairman now. And, and if you listen to our Ravenloft episode, he had the greatest answer to that question. It was, "I won the re-election." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Friday uh, is when the con really kicked off. Yes. I got here around noon. When did you guys uh, kind of get involved? I. Dropped Daryl off on Thursday night at our hotel, and then I drove back to Nederland Orange because I had to work on Friday. Mm, that's <laughs> and then I was lucky enough with the gracious boss who let me off early, so I was able to change clothes and take a shower and get here on time and not smell like squid or fish. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> although that you would have fit in pretty well in some areas of this yeah. con. Yeah. Just I, saying. I, I work at a bait camp, and the smell lingers. Uh, so Friday, I think I had some uh, some panels. I'm actually kind of looking at my schedule right now, but I, I had some panels here where we talked about a lot of different game design things, and I was, I was on them with some great guys from Evil Hat and Steve Jackson Games, uh, Lenny Balsera and Brian Engard. Mm-hmm. Um, some very, very talented guys. Uh, Stan Brown eventually joined us later. Stan with an exclamation point. Uh <laughs> I think we did panels with him on Saturday or Sunday. I lose track. I'm a little. No, he was. Uh, he was on at least one on Friday. I remember. Yeah, one on Friday. So yeah, the panel track here was really impressive, and I, I kind of want to shout out to Joe Charles, who is the gaming track guy here at Comic Palooza, because last year it was it was great, but this year it's fantastic. You got amazing panels. You got that indie game alley right up front where everybody yep. just walks by and gets to see all that awesome. Twice, in terms of placement, twice the size of this year too, by the way. Yeah, in terms of placement, it's just brilliant. Like, so you got Brandon O'Carry and Dark Nova Games. You got D3 Adventures, which is Jason Yarnell and Sheena Colbath, both friends of the show, former guests. They yes. do their thing there. Um, you got, I mentioned Jeff D already, right? Nope. Yes. Jeff D and Talisman Mirror had their yes. booth out there. We actually saw them at dinner last night. Yes, we did. <laughs> So there was this, so you, so everybody walking back and forth gets to go by the indie game alley and see all this stuff. And that's thanks to Joe Charles. That's, you want to go see Stanley. You want to go see, um, uh, the cast of Gotham, Go, cast of Gotham. You want to see, uh, hey, I was front guests. row press for Stanley yesterday and it was awesome. Basically. Excelsior. <laughs> yes. But anyway, so the, so the, 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 that's the one thing that's awesome about the gaming track. The second thing that's awesome is the panels were maybe not the most well attended, but they were certainly, <laughs> Uh, there were a lot of them and it was a vibrant track and I did, you know, I think we probably put about a hundred people through that set of panels. Anybody in the audience? That sound about right? Maybe. Maybe a little high. I don't know. <laughs> I get a lot of nodding heads and shrugs. Okay. <laughs> well, I like to think the smaller the panel, the more intimate it is. You're not, yes. you're going to get more questions and be able to answer more. Yes. We did spend, um, we had some, re- we had a really good panel on narrative control. And that one, I think, was probably one of my favorites of the uh, of the show. I didn't make that one. It may have been during the period where I went back to the hotel to change clothes and accidentally fell asleep for three hours. <laughs> but I, it wasn't it wasn't just it wasn't just panels though. We also got to play and run in some games. I ran a game of Dungeons and Dragons, the cartoon Dungeons and Dragons, the animated series. Yes, I made it for one encounter in that, and then I had to go meet with my publisher. So. Right, but tell, please tell me about you know what you thought of it. It was great. We had uh, two little girls that were playing in our game, and they were a riot. They were. I, it's the first time I've been in a game where the person was sitting on one hand, bouncing up and down in the chair with the other hand, raised in the air because they actually ha- they had to do something they right wanted, then. They wanted to talk about it right away. <laughs> yeah, these two little girls, I think they were about 10 years old. Um, yes, and you enjoyed embarrassing them. Well, so one of them is playing Diana, one of them is playing Sheila, and their mom's playing Eric, the Cavalier. Because somebody has to play Eric Cavalier. And uh, you were playing Hank. Yes. And I there was a, another gentleman came by and played Bobby eventually. So we had everyone but Presto, actually, uh, mm-hmm. at, at various points. And these two little girls were just so excited. They, they, they said they'd watch the whole series, which is surprising for a 30-year-old cartoon. But they'd watch the whole series, they said. And uh, the one girl who was playing Diana, uh, part of the adventure involves a romantic interest for her. Because Diana often in the show is kind of looking for... A man, if you will. Yes. And uh, she was very embarrassed every time I brought up how this 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 individual was like Diana. You're so beautiful. 
and she'd be like, she'd blush, just kind of squirm around, <laughs> you know, she'd squirm around and she'd squint, but she was having a good time. She was, she was grinning too, but, and, and what was funny is, um, when we, when we wrapped it up, the mom looks at me and she doesn't say it out loud, but she, you know, she makes the mouth move. She goes, thank you. Thank you so much. Cause apparently she was looking for a good family friendly game to get into with her kids. And so that, I was, I was really happy that's, that it turned out so well. Yes. I'm, I'm looking forward to running a game of legendary later. Right. That's the, the new game this guy wants to kickstart. Yeah. His I name is won Greg. it. At International Tabletop uh, Day. This is a Marvel Legendary, the deck building Marvel game. Legendary. Oh, different thing altogether. Marvel I'm Legendary sorry. is the deck building game. Okay, different thing altogether. Sorry. Yeah. Not, not D&D. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I'm, I'm thinking of Legacy anyway. There's a guy here who has a game called Legacy or Legendary. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's Legacy. Daryl? Is that right? Uh, I can't remember either, honestly. Legacy. It it's is called Legacy? Legacy? Okay, yeah, great. Trying to get people to, to play it and uh, kind of battle on <laughs> so I got mixed up on that because uh, we gave him some advice on his Kickstarter. But yeah, uh, so so Lauren, what did you did you get to play some games other than D and D? Actually, no, I haven't because I've been running around onto the floor, been running around and getting a job offer. Yes, getting a job <laughs> offer. So I'll see how that goes on Tuesday. Hopefully, I think it will go well. Okay, good luck to you. It's doing something <laughs> really cool. Um, I'm gonna let you decide how much you want to say or not say. So. Um, it's it's another social media coordinator right. gig, and I'm real excited about it. Then they're real excited to have cool. try and get me on board. Uh, as they put it yesterday, it was wooing me, woo, <laughs> to get me to come work for them. And so hopefully it all works out well. All right, and Daryl, what did you get to play? Um, I play. I get to show off a double feature, John Cavalli's game. Uh, I want to that, play that. Play I really want to play that. Uh, I was actually hoping um, after we're done with the recording, get everything packed up. I was gonna go to, head over to the game room before it closes down and see if I can get a game of it going. So, what's it like? Uh, it is really, really fun. I talked about it a little bit on the Ravenloft show, I believe that was the one, but maybe uh, a little bit. Or and we maybe were, it was maybe it was the BattleTech show that hasn't gone up yet, but uh, it's basically it's a movie tr- movie non trivia game is how I call it. Uh, it's basically it gives you like a type of a character in a setting or something. There's six different decks. You pull two cards from it, and you have to name a the first person who names a movie that matches it wins. Oh, we got someone in the audience. You Kickstarter? Did you back it on Kickstarter? Uh, after I played it with you guys. <laughs> oh. Tabletop day. Oh yeah. <laughs> I I found this at a local comic book shop. And I think it's on retail shelves now. Yeah, it's been it's been filtering in. Amazon doesn't launch it until tomorrow. It comes out. And we so were actually I was actually teaching um, Lizzie from Big Data on Friday night how to play double feature. Nice. For for listeners who may not be able to hear uh, this gentleman, uh, uh, you got a mic out there. Okay, great. Okay. Come on up. Okay. Yeah, inter- introduce yourself. Hi guys. <laughs> who, and who are you, sir? So, uh, my name's Daniel. I uh, am kind of a newer gamer. I've always kind of been in and out of uh, board games, but just within the past couple years, I've been getting into D&D and building up my gaming library. This is my first convention, and wow, kind of blown away. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to the show, Daniel. What's your last name? Reed. Daniel Reed. Yep. Okay. Yeah, well, while you guys were... Uh, well, Daryl was talking about uh, Double Feature. The first time I met Daryl and Lauren was at a uh, Tabletop Day. Um, International event. Tabletop Day. International, International Tabletop, Tabletop Day. Day event back in Beaumont. 
and uh, they introduced this game. You can carry it around, and I just put it in a standard deck box for like. I really cards. need to get one because the box that it comes with is not that good for traveling <laughs> with. Yeah, it's a little overkill, but um, it's it's a if you know anything about board game, it's the standard Fantasy Flight deck box. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's the uh, Ultra Pro. Not, I meant the box that the box that it comes in is called. Yeah, it, yeah the original yeah, box. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's called the Fantasy Flight box because that's when all the Fantasy Flight deck building games came in boxes like okay. that. And so. Double Feature is a game that you don't have to be sitting at a table to play. You can play this in the car. Right, right, right. You know, you can play it. You know, just while you're driving. While you're, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because well, it's 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 not something you really have to look at. Someone reads the cards. Okay. And then. You take your, you know, make your so guesses and stuff better like than that. Scrabble for travel. Yes, much better. So <laughs> it was pretty neat. Um, that event was one of the first times where I was kind of in a situation where we could play all sorts of different games, trying them out, and that was a neat thing about this convention is going to the board game library and you know things I'd read about or heard reviews about. I could just <laughs> check out and. Fiddle around with, see if I liked it or not. We just played Zombie Dice for the first time, and you know it's one of those things I see everywhere, and I knew it was a light game. You know, kind of got a feel for it. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna tell you right now that is one of the best. I'm waiting in line at a panel games to play because you, you got your little tube with you. Just sit down and you start playing it, and when it's time to get up, you just scoop up the dice back into the cup. Well, Daniel, why don't you tell us about your Comic Blues experience? What do you, how was the con been for you? Um, this is your first con. So. Yes, yes. Well. I saw you guys yesterday. I attended some of your panels that I'd like to elaborate on. Later oh, absolutely, on. go ahead. And uh, I, I told Daryl that you know you guys told me about the uh, podcast today that you were going to be recording, and I was like, well, I wasn't really planning on being here, but I, I was also wasn't planning on being here Sunday either. And lo and behold, <laughs> here I am. So I had so much fun. We came. We came on uh, Saturday just for a day pass, kind of, you know, as a break, something fun to do, something different, and it was so overwhelming. There were so many vendors and things to see and people to talk to and games to play that we were able to, the event providers here were gracious enough to upgrade our day pass to the weekend pass just for the difference in price, so we didn't have to save this a little bit of money, but... nice. So, I am looking to start DMing some D&D 5th Ed games and introduce my gaming group to Shadowrun 5th Ed. So, I attended a couple of the sessions, uh, one that you were at, Ross, or mm-hmm. I guess, were you at both of them? Uh, I, I went to, um I did a lot of panels. <laughs> <laughs> the panel, kind of uh, tips and tricks for yes. helping your, your GM whenever... Things get uh, out of control. Yes, I was at that one. Then the other one was how to create good encounters. Yes, I was on both of those. Yeah. Talzmer Mirror was on the uh, encounters one. Yes. And she was pretty interesting. Yeah. And then there's Dave Martin who just beat me up all weekend. (laughs) (laughs) He seemed to have a pretty strong personality. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Well, it's not his personality. I mean, you just grab me and be like, okay. You're gonna be Bob, is my example, and just smack me in the smack me in the shoulder, be like, "All right, so Bob does this thing." Anyway, Dave Martin's great. I love him, but uh, he's uh, he's a very physical guy, right? It's it's kind of like wow. Between dude. him and Lenny, man, dude, Lenny's uh, amazing. Uh, I love having Lenny on a panel because he's he's so fiercely 
right about a lot of his <laughs> about a lot of his social things is he wants the game to be a very you know he wants the game to be a very good social experience it's hard for me to overlook that kind of passion for something that i feel is actually also true that gaming is a very important social experience anyway it was, it was great to be on panels with those guys so did you get a chance danny uh daniel sorry did you get a chance to play see i talked to lenny and now it's danny <laughs> did you get a chance to run any games here or playing any? I did not run any. I did play some. Uh, I was wanting to try out the Star Wars RPG game, but oh. the tables were full every time I made it. I couldn't make it in time, so I just kind of hang back and watch. But uh, we played a lot of uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Cool. Um, a lot of love letter, just simple things. However, I was able to... Somebody tagged out with me a game of... Twilight Imperium. Ooh. And this is a game that, you know, I went into a game shop in Dallas and I asked them, I want a drag out, self-contained event sort of game. I've kind of been wanting to get into Warhammer, but didn't want to go through, you know, piecemealing all this. So when it's self-contained and he said, this is the game for you. So I've had this giant game, but we haven't been able to get our game group together to dedicate a whole day to it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about Twilight Imperium. It's a lot of fun. It's a really robust game, but it is an all-day game. Yeah. Dude. That's not a that's or, not a lunchtime or, game. Or a two-day game. I've seen them run. We're just, okay, <laughs> leave the board here. We'll be back tomorrow. That's, that's a lunch. pre-order your pizza to schedule delivery to make it's sure just, everybody eats right. on time. And, and there's nothing wrong with it's that. An, it's, <laughs> an, it's, an, it's an hour setup, and a quick game is like eight hours. Well, so Five hours yeah. is what I heard. But yeah. Well, the guys there were very accommodating to me, and it was a lot of fun, and I was able to kind of learn before introducing it to other folks which is nice it was kind of a little primer for the rules and everything but they had started the game at noon it was around 8 30 when i started playing and we called the game at about 10 30 and there was no clear winner yet <laughs> and, and uh i i mean Games are supposed to be fun, and at that point, I don't know if the other guys were really having fun, but it it was uh, it was definitely a monumental event, I'm sure. Would you compare it to that game of Munchkin that we played on International Day? Oh my god! <laughs> so Daryl and Lauren uh, are extremely cutthroat at Munchkin, and uh, we had maybe the longest game of Munchkin ever played. It was. It was awesome. Yes. It was only three hours. <laughs> <laughs> but we were all very brain fried after that game of, of Munchkin. And um, so other uh, other takeaways from this con for me would have to be uh, just interacting with the different artists. So I uh, am really into a uh, modern ongoing comic called Zombie Tramp. And one of the artists that did some cover work designed the four-day badge. And so it was just kind of the serendipitous deal where someone said, oh, go get her signature. And it just led to one thing after another. And then next thing I know, I'm driving home, you know, an hour to get comic books to bring back up here for her to sign. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, And... so That's we, dedication. Yes, <laughs> that, is, that is extreme dedication. So we showed back up here today, and I could tell that, you know, 
I mean, it's something important to me. I have this awesome, cool thing for this art that I really like, but it was neat to see that instant feedback from the artist that she was happy to have a uh, a fan, you know, kind of give a crap about what she's doing. So it was neat. The people here are just amazing. Um, you know, the guest list, you just look at the guest list alone, and you're like, holy crap. I mean, there's the, everybody from the Soup Nazi to Guar to... There's Summer Glau to the cast of Gotham to, you know, I mean, everybody's here. It's just insane. There are so many different events and different interests. I went to a session on the role of Battleship Texas in World War One and World War Two. That's awesome. And immediately left to go to a uh, DM workshop that you guys were running. Cool. So, well, GM, sorry. You know what? It, it's. I think those terms are <laughs> interchangeable. We're... Dear God, we're like uh, forty some odd years after the creation of D and D at this point. So, yeah, seventy five. Yeah, you know? I feel so, old. I know. <laughs> well, I just want to. I want to call out though. There are some people here that are just really awesome. There's this guy. He's an artist named Craig Michael Scott, and we met him at the skirmisher party, which we're going to talk about. You don't don't worry. We're going to talk about this party. <laughs> and we met this guy, Craig Michael Scott. He's an artist, and he said, "Drop by my booth. I want to show you my stuff." And I was like, "Okay." So I go by his booth. And I said, you know, hey, I'd like to see, you know, do you have a business card or something? And he goes, um, no. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a piece of my art. And then he has this uh, sort of little You have a trading chibi, card. Artist, artist trading cards. Yeah, like a trading card. And it's like a, 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 a chibi um, Casey Jones from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And he sits there and he, like, does, does all the stuff you would put on a business card, draws it on the back of the card. Gives it to me and puts it in a, a baseball card sleeve, basically. So now I have this collectible <laughs> trading card <laughs> of the artist's work with his his info on the back. I thought that was pretty awesome. And I ran those into, are getting really popular on the art scene. I ran into somebody today, um, Daryl. You you'll really appreciate this, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name's Deborah Larson, and I was like, wow, that sounds a little familiar, and, and I didn't know it from. And she had on her table a cell of animation. From an old cartoon called Spiral Zone. No idea. Now, this was a cartoon back in the 80s. And I said, did you work on Spiral Zone? She goes, yeah. I wrote for Spiral Zone, Mask, Inspector Gadget, (laughs) Heathcliff. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God. You just you wrote my afternoon when I was 12 years old. Wow. And she's got scripts um, that she wrote for Star Trek The Next Generation and she's got this web series called Epilogue that she wrote and I'm just I'm, I'm just shocked you know because I had no idea she was here I would have just walked right by her booth if it hadn't been for the uh, the Spiral Zone thing and she took a, a very generous amount of time to just talk to me about script writing and screenwriting and what it was like to work on cartoons and how she got in the business and stuff so the, the, the people here are not just you know sign my Photo and give me the money, please. Right? They're they're actually pretty pretty friendly. Yeah, if you don't completely like fanboy or fangirl out with a celebrity, they're really nice. But if you start acting like a dick, well, it depends on how how you're fanboying. If you're if you're like, oh my god, I love you, you're awesome. Yes, but if you're just like complete like stalkery, there's a there's a line there. Yeah, but showing your if you treat them like a human being, they'll be more than happy to pretty much do anything you want. So I see, uh, Daniel, you've got uh, Little Orc Wars in front of you right now. Yeah, so uh, I ran back to my seat and grabbed this on my back whenever you mentioned Skirmisher. And um, I I didn't know what you had kind of prepared or what you were going to say about them, but that was something else that (laughs) just was totally unexpected. You know, there were times when I... 
they, there's a fantastic app for this. Just convention. it just came out. Oh, the app for the convention. Sorry. Oh, I, I was interrupting something else. Sorry. Oh no no. Um, but you know you can have this really detailed schedule and everything else and figure out what you want to do and where you want to see and it's automatic timers and all. But I kind of dedicated some time just of wandering around different rooms and. I opened up a room and there were people everywhere and toys and orcs and miniatures and I mean these are like foot tall houses and doll houses and villages and people were having this gigantic battle using you know five inch figures and it turns out to be this uh, kind of universal yeah it's a miniature know, war game yeah yeah and uh, the system, and, you know, just walk in. Hey, guys, you want to play this? We'll show you how. It's awesome. I mean, there's, there's, it's just neat that uh, people would come and set up stuff like that and just go, here you go. Yeah, it's little yeah. wars. They take up, like, an entire panel room just on the floor with these managers. It's like, it's like 10 feet by 10 feet. It's awesome every year. I got I got mad respect for the Skirmisher Publishing Group because these guys make Comicpalooza their con. They really do. Uh, there's there's other guys we've seen at Texas cons that we really are really impressive like the uh, the crack monocle crew and stuff yep. like that. But skirmisher, holy mackerel, dude! They come to Houston. They're like, everybody, this is our con. Just be cool. We got this. Let me see. Uh, and their party rocked on Saturday. Oh my night. god, their party! They have the best <laughs> party in Houston. You got Hollywood celebrities rolling up to a party where there's D&D stuff all over the shelves everywhere you look, right? I'm just like, this is the best ever. Yeah, Barry Boswick and, then, and the Soup Noxy and like half of the WWE cast from the 90s and uh, who, who else? Uh, Joel uh, Joel Hodgman? Or, um, yeah, Joel, and, and, Joel uh, uh, from Mystery Science, Mystery Science Theater. Theater. Just uh, Strax, guy's the guy who plays Strax on Doctor Who. And yep. Chen from Comic Book Men. <laughs> there was just all these people and, and it was like I mean, all the gaming guys were up there and we just would, mm-hmm. would drink and chat about stuff and then go eat and come back and it was it's the central like party place, but it's not just parties that these guys do. I want to, I want to kind of riff on what Daniel they, they said. have. They have uh, down on the dealer room floor. They have an entire booth space that takes the up pavilion. like the pavilion. It's like five yeah. booths. They make this giant thing out of. Plus, they have an entire panel room on the third floor. Plus, uh, they have something else. And then the, last night they ran that D and D LARP. Yeah, the the, D, the dungeon crawl where they took over like half the entire third floor and just had different rooms where you ran around in the middle of the night. It was yeah, awesome. And rooms were set up like dungeons and you had to battle the creatures and stuff like that. I yeah. wish they were, it was sti- I had taken part of it because that looked like so much it fun. It was still going at 11.30 when I left after the D&D game. So, so these guys, um, it, it seems like an effort mostly led by Will Thrasher, Mike Vahola, Michael Varhola, and Brendan Cass. Uh, and these guys have like uh, a whole Clint, team. Clint Staples too. Don't forget him. Okay, yeah, don't forget him. They have a whole team of guys in black shirts with these awesome three skull logo, and they dedicate themselves to having to to getting people to have a good time, right? And it's just like Daniel was saying. They have this room set up with all these you know little tiny dudes throwing catapult stuff at each other. And I remember seeing this last year and thinking, wow, that's really that's impressive. They go all out, and that's just one little piece. I mean, we were just talking about all these other stuff that they do here. Um, so big, mad props to the skirmisher guys for making Comic Palooza uh, one hell of a gaming event. It definitely keeps it interesting. Yeah, no doubt. I um, do want to. Uh, there was one thing that happened that we missed because we were at the skirmisher party, and but it was a historic event. Uh, they had Rocky Horror Picture Show here because they had most of the cast as guests, and they do it every year anyway. But 
there was a projection issue when they were trying to start the movie. So Barry Boswick jumps on stage and starts doing the intro. He has never done a shadow cast before, ever. Wow. That was his first time ever doing that. So that was like first here at Comic Palooza. You know, I, I wanted to go up to Barry Boswick and say how much I loved seeing him in Megaforce, but I, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I had an experience on Friday night. I was in an elevator speaking to this very nice woman. We were both a little intoxicated. I got all the way down to the lobby and realized it was Patricia Quinn. <laughs> and I was like... Now, she was in Rocky Horror, too, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I can't believe I just totally blew everything. <laughs> like, I should have gotten her autograph. So maybe uh, a little related to Rocky Horror. Did uh, you guys have a chance to see the Lord of the Rings burlesque show? No, we no, heard, we it, heard, heard it, it. We heard it through heard the wall the whole night. I, uh, Did you see it? On a bathroom break from my uh, epic Twilight Imperium struggle, um, <laughs> I popped my head in in time to see uh, Sam serenading Frodo at Mount Doom to Meatloaf's uh, In the Name of Love. Uh, no, I would do anything for love. I would do anything for love. And, uh, but I won't do that. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I knew it was uh, something oh, special going here. on there. Were they both wearing stockings? Um, it was a, uh, you know, there was a lot of stage lighting, but I could tell there were some, uh, maybe flesh color body suits going on. Or something like that. So. Some pasties. Wow. Yeah. We were, we were wondering just, just how, you know, you take Lord of the Rings. I mean, it's, I'm sure they do it and I'm sure they do it well, but there's a part of my brain that just kind of balks at trying to put those two things together, burlesque and Lord of the Rings. So I'm kind of curious how they made it happen. Uh, but yeah, they I hope were, we can find video. they were, they were, um, Right next door to the gaming area. And, and this was not like disruptively loud, but it was obvious that everyone that was watching that show was loving it. It was packed. I mean, there were people standing in the back of the room. And I mean, there was, when we were trying to get into the room, there was a line that wrapped around almost the entire ballroom area of all four ballrooms. And these are not small rooms at all. So yeah. Um, I can't believe I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would, you know, there's, there's, this is the thing is like, um, you go to Gen Con and you look at all the stuff that you want to do, and then you look at all the stuff that you're not going to be able to do, right? And Comic Palooza is kind of getting there. Comic Palooza is getting to the point where you need to set a schedule in advance and keep doing yeah. as much as possible, and, and even bring then, your own food so you don't have to stand in line. And even then, you're probably <laughs> going to miss a couple of things. Yeah, I did, I did one non-gaming thing the entire convention, aside from you know parties and stuff. I met Marky Ramon. Of the Ramones. Of the, of the legendary first punk rock band ever, Ramones. And me being, you know, old school punk rock, that was kind of a big deal for me. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Good for you, buddy. Yeah. The, just, go ahead. Just the different interests and things available is kind of crazy. I mean, like currently, I think right now there's a Guar Q&A. So I'm sure there's guts being sprayed over someone right now. <laughs> oh, Guar was actually at the party, the skirmisher party on Saturday. They were. They totally were. And I, you know, I've had my opportunity to go ask them if they're gamers and now I've, I've missed it. I'm sure they'll be back next year. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing is I'm not sure, uh, the, the, the way that they do their guests and stuff here, you know, they may, ro they may rotate. So I may not be able to come back next year, but that's totally fine because if they invite me, I just want to make that clear. See, if anybody's listening, just FYI, if you invite me, I will come. I want to come back. <laughs> I love Comic Palooza. And I think Joe Charles has just done a fantastic, absolutely stellar, should be used as the example job on setting up a gaming track and running it and running it well. 
because it's it's not just gaming. It's I'm not going to be surprised if they ask you panels. back, Ross, because they wanted you so much. They wanted two of you because they double booked you. They so double much. they double booked me every day. <laughs> every day I had like more than one thing at the same time. But that's I don't think that's anybody's fault. I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't blame that on anybody. It just kind of happened, um, mostly due to the uh, the way I I signed up to do my gaming events. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I'm actually uh, I, I was supposed to have been doing a, a monster design panel right now, and I could I had to I had to unfortunately uh, uh, cancel my appearance there to come here and do do our show. So yeah, they 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 did like me a lot. They liked me a lot to put me on a, a bunch of different stuff, and I'm glad they did too. It was it was really fun doing all the events. Because I think I think next year when we do our thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm actually gonna book our podcast through uh, through Joe and Jason instead, so that we're in the gaming room. All right. Well, Daniel, why don't you tell us you you want to be a GM? Yes. Right. And you do you have a group already? I do. Um. So it was D and D for me. It was one of these kind of things where you know I kind of heard about it and in high school and in college, people would roll characters and we would make big plans to play and nothing would ever happen and just fizzle out. So I found a group of it's like a friend through a friend, and uh, we were. They're just visiting, and we see them pulling out core rule books and player handbooks. So one thing led to another, and uh, so I've been playing with them weekly for, I don't know, maybe eight months, nine months, something like that. And I feel like I want to give back. I have all these ideas for like a campaign I want to run, and I think it would be a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm really nervous about these guys are very experienced. I want to do something fun for them that they'll enjoy. And I've learned a ton just from playing and, you know, reading up on my own. But I started listening after being introduced at International Tabletop Day from Daryl and Lauren. Started listening to Gamers Tavern. Yay! And, uh, you know, <laughs> I listen to podcasts a lot at work, so I'll be uh, Hang working. on. Hang on a second, Daniel. I just, we have a question from oh, the audience. go ahead. Are your gamers more chaotic or uh, probably lawful. Yeah. We, we, uh, that's good. There's, I mean, it's pretty awesome. I, I mean, I'm sure everybody is like proud of their own gaming group and everything else, but it seems like these guys, we really role play seriously and we keep the table talk down and everybody really gets their mind into it each week and kind of, really devotes himself to the game, which is kind of a reason why I want to be so good at, you know, my first time. I like that you're taking it seriously. And I, and I have to say, I think you're very fortunate that you have a group that, that is like that. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there who play very casually and there's nothing wrong with that. But for me personally, I like people that take it, you know, that, that come in and they really want to get in character. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And you have a question? Oh, no, I just said archaeotically. Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The sole voice of reason. Well, my first character is a uh, half orc barbarian, you know, kind of the cliche beat stick, get mad, make dumb decisions. And, uh, you know, we, we really try to resist metagaming. And so I've made some really, really bad decisions that I would do strategically. But, you know, I know Uluru would do it because he doesn't really think about it. And, uh, that's awesome. But, uh, I roll my wisdom. <laughs> so, 
something that I'm trying to get, which I'm really interested in the Shadowrun world and everything. Um, oh, well, you're on the wrong try, podcast. Try and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and try and uh, introduce them into the beginner box set. But, you know, they're some pretty diehard D&D players. So Welcome to my world growing up in orange. <laughs> Maybe you just need to tell them the legend of Rafe. <laughs> or or babysitter and company as as it were we we did our our shadow run game um you can actually download it from our site and yep. listen to all of our exploits i've been Randy listening Gensler. to a few yeah okay <laughs> i know i know enough that uh daryl's a big fan of the the trench coat for sure <laughs> yep and, I, you, and you know i'm a mohawk <laughs> yeah i'm thinking i'd be more mohawk i'm not sure <laughs> But Listen, when your pixie street samurai flies out of someone's chest because he cut his way out from under the overalls to fly into the face of a security guard, yeah, you're Mohawk. Yeah. <laughs> I am totally, I am so Mohawk. It's, it's, it's silly. I really, I was surprised that, you know, I was one of those people that sit there and take notes in a session because, you know, I'm trying to collect these bits of, these little nuggets of wisdom to take into my game and make it better because, our game group's really good too, but you know sometimes somebody will have a bad night, not really know why. And um, was it Tasha during that panel? What was her name again? Talzmir. Talzmir. I'm sorry. She said something that really kind of jumped out at me, and about you know designing encounters, and if somebody that has a very socially exhausting day job comes home and they want to escape, you don't want to give them a social encounter. And she said, let's give them battle, let's get some emotions pumping. And it kind of hit me, I was like, yeah, that's why I had a bad night that other week. I couldn't I couldn't put my finger on it, but it, it just wasn't what I was expecting out of the game. And how that changes for each player and being able to read your players beforehand was a really good insight. Well, I think, you know, this is where Lenny would say, well, just be transparent and be, use communication. Yeah, right? yeah. He would say like, hey, is there you know, anybody, anything you need to tell me before we start tonight? I, well, you know, that's one way to go about it. Um, well, one sure. of your recommendations whenever I was asking about, you know, bookends and pacing was at the end of the night. Yeah. Um, take 15 minutes before everyone leaves and you'll ask everybody, OK, what was your favorite part right. of the session? Uh, what are things that could have been improved upon? And then ask them what their favorite role play moment of another player was. Right. And so it, that's awesome. I mean, I could see how if we implemented that into our weekly sessions, it would immediately go, go over well. And yeah, that advice is sounding really familiar, Ross. <laughs> yeah. Was yeah. that from you, Daryl? No, no, that's Ross's. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, he said it at the yeah. at the panel. Yeah, and uh, so one of uh, in the audience that came with me, he's one of our players, and we were uh, say hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so I was kind of, you know, I've been spitballing ideas because, you know, we're both player characters in our current campaign, and it's like, well, what do you think about doing this at the end of the night? And well, I don't know, maybe they wouldn't want to stick around. And he recommended, you know, kind of like as a positive reinforcement for discussing the session more, you could maybe award experience or, you know, I don't know, maybe with 
the inspiration award system for fifth ed, maybe give them inspiration, something like that. What do you guys think about something like that? Well, I certainly, uh, have evolved that particular technique over a long time. And actually when I started out, it was do this and you will get some extra experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just kind of turned it into a social thing, uh, over over time, there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with necessarily uh, including some kind of mechanical benefit if you want. But I think when, once your players get into it once or twice, I think they'll see that they leave the session feeling good. And again, this is probably not a bad time to mention Lenny just saying, be open with them. Say, yeah, hey guys, yeah, yeah. The perp- what this is for is to help me be a better GM, help you guys go home feeling better about yourselves at the end of the night, and you know, keeping that sense of energy high. And Keep people coming back. Yeah, you know, so maybe there's some of that. And we have a question in the audience. Yes, when you do the, uh, tell me your favorite moment, do you have the characters do it themselves or do you have other characters tell you? Okay, so like if we're doing it, right, let's say we just finished playing a game, all right, and let's say I'm the DM, let's say, you know, Daryl and Lauren and Daniel and, I'm sorry, what's your name again? And Paul, those are all players and you're watching, okay, and we just wrapped up and I would say, okay, Daniel, what was your favorite part, least favorite part, and what was a you know memorable moment of another player, uh, another uh, someone other than you? And Daniel would say, "Well, Paul did this awesome thing," and he would say why it was awesome and why he you know because there's there's a lot of insight you can get from how other people see what you do. Then you may have thought, "Well, that was cool because I you know was more in character, or I had a funny voice," and somebody else might think it was cool because you touched on this piece of 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 the lore that actually has something to do with my character, and that's why I was interested in it, right? There's there's times where I see people go, oh, wow, you know, nodding their heads along with the dialogue because it it is, it's like Rashomon, right? You're seeing the same thing from different perspectives. So it's a little of both. This impressed me, this is what I like, this is what I did, and this is what... Well, no, you you never really, in, in my paradigm, you don't aggrandize yourself. You, you say what I liked about, about the game. Yeah, you, you can say I liked... Because uh, the the purpose is to give me feedback as GM and to help everybody else get better, you know, uh, not get better, but um, feel better about themselves at the end of the night. So what I'm asking you for in terms of feedback is what you liked about the game, okay. right? And what you what you thought could be done better. Well, and then you say, and then there was this thing that Daniel did that I thought was great. How does that affect like the newbie player or the shy player, the one who, who isn't used to speaking up? I usually have them go last. <laughs> so they can see how everybody else does it, right? Get comfortable. Uh, we got a question from Paul. Uh, what if they're outright resistant to doing that? What if they're just very non-confrontational people? And even if you're specifically asking for their opinion, and they just don't want to give it because they feel like they're ragging on somebody or you know something like that, some opinion like that. How do you deal with that? Well, I have rarely encountered this. And usually if I don't get the whole group to buy in, I, I don't do it because it is really best as a group activity. But if it's still something you want and, and you feel like you could get it just in a different way, you could always try asking, hey, do you guys mind sending me an email with these three pieces of information? It's not, I don't, I don't feel like it has quite the same social impact. Uh, you know, I would, I would definitely be like, well, you know, if, if the whole group just doesn't, if it's not comfortable for you, right, let's just not worry about it and, and move on. Um, but it might be one of those things where you're like, you, you, do you mind giving it a try to this person? Do you mind giving it a try to see what you think and, and at least, uh, give it a shot, right? And if, and if that doesn't work, then okay, you've, you've at least, you know, tried it. <laughs> uh, so you can also that. just do the positive parts in, uh, 
in person like okay what do you think was something it was a good role play moment or a good moment from another from one of the other players and what you like about the game and then say okay if you guys have any concerns or any uh, anything you thought that could be improved send me send me an email send me a text whatever so it's that one step away from being in person so you still get the yeah. positive impact and then yeah. you're but also then still getting the feedback yeah you still get the feedback but it's more confidential well, I, I, just, I think I said this maybe once, twice in panel, but I want to be very clear for the listeners. I have a group that's uh, six out of seven of my players are um, very experienced GMs, right? So when they give feedback, they're very much like, okay, the pacing could be improved here. Or, you know, I think that battle, they have some very specific targeted things, right? Because they give they're, you an itemized list. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, yeah. I welcome it. I think, I think it's great to have that kind of critique. And then there's the one player who's brand new. And so often, you know, her, her, when it comes to her turn, she'll be like, well, I really liked when this happened and I don't think you did anything wrong, you know, and yeah. she might just move right on and that's okay too. Uh, but sometimes she sees things that other people didn't see. She'd be like, I don't understand why, you know, we had to go through initiative in this one scene. Why couldn't we have just talked our way past? And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, that was just my instinct on, you know, what, anyway, bottom line is, uh, it's okay I think, to think outside the box. Uh, yeah, I like it, and it's worked with a lot of my groups, but not all of them. So yeah, I understand where you're coming from, Paul. Uh, and that's all I can really tell you is it's it's a it's a trick that works, but I think it works only if everybody's into it. How much uh, discussion do you guys have before setting up a new campaign or uh, starting up a new game, as far as like expectations? Because Ooh. it seems like maybe. For instance, uh, maybe like a recent campaign we started, we didn't really know what to expect, and we still don't really know what's going on or what kind of campaign it's going to be. But um, there's a section in the DM guide about you know different types of players. You know, there's the role player and the fighter that just wants to smash stuff, and the puzzle solver and all this. Do you sit down and talk with your players beforehand about like? What do you want out of this, or is that just, or does that kind of make it more bland? Does that make any sense? I have only DM'd a few games, and when I do it, I have a starting point to my game, and I have an end point to my game. And because I like the middle, mm-hmm. uh, I'll roll a dice and have so that, okay, we're coming up in here, I'm gonna roll my dice, what number is that? Ah, we're gonna have this encounter. This is what's gonna want to walk into around the corner. Mm-hmm. And that way it keeps you on your toes. You don't have that set expectation of, oh, I'm going to walk around the corner and there's going to be a dragon. Not in my game. There's going to be something else. It's whatever the dice tells me there's going to be. I think Daniel's talking more about like the expectations of, and this is how I'd put it, um, tone, genre, and context. Right. Yeah. So like, are we going to play a Conan-esque you know, Robert E. Howard, high adventure, chopping up, you know, serpent men in the sands. Is that what we're doing? Cause that's cool. And there's nothing wrong with that. Or are we doing more of a gritty, uh, thieves guild in a very cosmopolitan city? So there's, you see what I'm doing is so I'm putting like things like genre and tone oh, okay. and, and context right up front. And, and it helps inform like the kind of character you make and what you have in your head as far as what this character is going to be doing. And I used to do that a lot until I learned my group just didn't friggin' listen to me in the first place. <laughs> Hi guys, we're doing, and I've talked about this a lot on the, on the show, so I'm gonna be quick here, but. Hey guys, I want to do a kind of really good, uh, very token-esque inspired fantasy game. Okay, they show up with a monk, a gunslinger, and a drow gunslinger, and a necromantic wizard. 
Very Tolkien-esque there. Thank you very much, gentlemen. That's going to that's gonna go great with my heroic campaign idea. So, yeah, it's important to get everybody on the same page at, at the beginning, I think, because it, it mitigates misunderstandings. It makes it... Uh, everybody has what's called buy-in. And this is very important when you're doing a game that has as much social activity as a role-playing game. You, if you get everybody to buy into the idea, right? And once you have that, it's going to go great. I've got a story about this. I think I may have told it before, but there's a friend of mine who's a really, really good GM, and he wanted to run a game, and he described it. He says, okay, so you guys are you can play um, wizards and knights and ninjas and stuff like that. And we're like, oh, that sounds cool. And he says, yeah, and it's sort of kind of based on Warhammer fantasy roleplay, but not really. It's you know, it's it's kind of like that, but not really. And we're like, well, that's weird because Warhammer fantasy roleplay is really way more gritty and low power. He's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. It's fine. Like, All right. So we show up and we have our wizards and knights and ninjas. And in the first battle, the wizard is like, I'm going to try and overawe these bandits. He stands up on top of this thing and he's like, you must bow before the power of my magic. And it's really awesome and heroic and epic, right? He does this big blah, blah. And the game master nods his head. He goes, okay, so what that does is it makes you a target for all the guys that they had prepared for exactly that kind of move. And they fill him with four arrows and he's pretty much dead. And that was because that is definitely not the kind of thing you do in a battle with bandits. And we're all like, oh, right. There was a lot of looks around the table of all of us going, really, right? And we, we, we very quickly realized that what the GM actually wanted is he wanted squires and apprentices and, and rogues. He didn't really want ninjas and, and wizards and, and knights. And he wanted it to be very gritty and very low fantasy and very, if you do something silly like make a heroic speech, you're going to get killed. But we had no understanding of that. So we had to have a talk. We were like, let's let's just put this on pause for a minute and reassess because we came in with a totally different understanding, right? Uh, and it turned out to be a really, really fun campaign. But it was a moment where we had that record-skipping sound right after the first account. <laughs> I've been in games where the DM, like a week before, we had get together, have a small meeting, and he'll say, all right, you can have these characters, but none of these. You have to choose from this set pool because of this is the type of campaign I'm running. And he goes, and I just don't want to stomp you into the dirt. <laughs> so we were just like, okay. So, you know, we would have our set to pick from, and we could do whatever we wanted with them, but, you know, there was only rangers, rogues, and uh, uh, magic users uh, and druids and stuff like that. But we couldn't have anything else. Right. And that kept the game simple. No one was having... Uh, we played with a guy who liked to just totally break his characters. And it got to the point where the DM, who was actually my ex-husband, <laughs> was like, you're, if you want to play in the game, you can't. I will create your character for you because I don't like the way you're playing. If you don't want me to create your character for you, you can just sit there and watch. Because yeah. we had to do that because he would break his character so badly. I mean, this was 3.5. Right. In D&D, &D, nobody wanted to play with him anymore. See, this is the dark side of what's called optimization, right? Yeah. There's really nothing wrong with optimizing characters. There's really nothing wrong with the basic idea of, I want my guy to be better at a thing, right? Or competent at a thing. Mm -hmm. But if you use your powers for good, you will then look at everyone else's character and go, guys, I can help you. Let's all be awesome at what we do, right? That's using your power for good. You talk to the GM and you're like, here's just so you know, I'm awesome. And this is how awesome I am. And I can help everybody be awesome. And you're going to need to be a little more awesome, you know, to like challenge us, right? That's using your powers for good. To not use your powers for good is to do what Lauren's describing and just kind of show up and be like, 
<laughs> I'm so awesome. And the rest of you are not. That is using your powers for, for evil. Yeah, there was a there was a guy in that very game I was talking about. He joined like three weeks later, and they were all third level. Like, okay, I'm going to make a third level character, and we're playing Pathfinder. I don't know what book he pulled it out of, but he found the damn monkey grip feat. So he was sitting there dual fisting uh, great axes. Drove me nuts. I'm just going to jump in here to tell you a little bit about Audible. Convention season's in full swing, and that means travel. Travel means long road trips, layovers at airports, and a lot of downtime. You know what you need to help the time pass faster? An audiobook. Where do you get it? Audible. The world's biggest collection of audiobooks is available in seconds, and we want to give you a book for free. Just go to audibletrial.com slash gamers tavern to start your risk-free trial. You get a credit toward one book just for signing up, and it's yours to keep. If you subscribe, you get discounts on every single purchase, free credits every month, exclusive specials, and a lot more. If it's not for you, cancel at any time and keep the free book. Just head to audibletrial.com slash gamers tavern and start expanding your library. Oh, we got a question from the audience. Oh, uh, I didn't interrupt. Uh, I was just wondering, is it all fighting in your campaigns or do you draw them in to the, to the social structure of the city that they're, they're from? Or? I like being involved in the social structure of the city. I like my character to, well, depending on what character I'm playing. So I, I play a ranger a lot, but I also like, I'll be a thief and I love going into the taverns and I like going into the taverns where they don't like strangers and I like to use my, I usually try to have a really high charisma. So I'm just, you know, hitchy kitchy in my way into these places <laughs> and I'll just, and I can Hello. get, so I, I can get information and stuff like that to bring back to the rest of my group. That's and a verb now. Uh, show, t- <laughs> show title? Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's the new show subtitle. Though. <laughs> now, I, I'm curious. I want to hear um, Daniel's answer to that. We had a situation. Uh, one of our player, uh, one of the players in our group works in China, and his schedule's a little erratic, and so he'll leave for a couple weeks. And so we have this, I mean, it's been months and months now. We're playing the same campaign. And so our DM was, you know, kind of fleshing out individual characters, backstories and things while he's gone, trying to stay away from the main storyline. So my first character in any RPG game, my half-orc barbarian, Uluru, had to um, work his way, try and engrace himself in the local nobility so he could become a, a lord to compete in a jousting contest. And it was the most ridiculous, entertaining, fun thing to do is to like <laughs> take this barbarian that was just smashing everything and just making a fool of himself to try and, you know... Teach him how to drink out of a teacup. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> a half-orc's yeah. tale, yeah. if you will. Yeah. So, that's, so, so you like that kind of thing, too. Is, oh, yeah. In your DM, you're going to probably you know emphasize some of the social aspects as well as the fight. Well, kind of my idea for this campaign, I don't want to say too much with Paul sitting in the audience. <laughs> well, just, but, tell us, just tell us about the tone and the genre and the context. Well, it's going to be D&D. I don't know the proper terminology for it, but kind of like the, the standard, you know, there's orcs around, a few magic items, not very much, but um, it's 
it's maybe a kind of subversive way for me to introduce some Shadowrun elements into them because they're going to be starting at a higher level, maybe, I don't know, around eight, I'd say. And they're well known for their feats and their particular class. And I'm going to, as a requirement, they have to come up with a, an event that how they gain their fame and notoriety, be it, you know, a thief that pulled off this crazy heist and is on the lamb or whatever. And depending on how fleshed out that is, is how good their starting equipment will be. Wow. And, <laughs> okay. And so, and so they're, they're enlisted to perform this job and I can't really say what the job is, okay. but I can say that they'll, they will have to do amount of legwork. They can't just jump in guns a blazing. And they should be specialists so they know they've done jobs like this. So it's kind of like a heist in a D&D game. Right, right, okay. yeah, yeah. Like a heist movie. So that's your that's your genre, is like a heist movie. Yeah, kind of a heist right. movie and a, um epic battle, Lord of the Rings kind of battle of five armies. Because I'm interested. <laughs> Ooh, okay. And uh, Paul, close your ears. <laughs> um, I found a uh, rules fact for the... Uh, Battle, like the, it's almost like a uh, strategy war game element that you can introduce into Fifth Ed. And so it, you know, you have units and all this battle, extra rule set, I guess, that I'd like to introduce. And once the time comes, I'm just going to hand them the sheets and go, okay, guys, you are now generals of this army. Oh, neat. And we have to see. So. <laughs> uh oh, he heard. <laughs> No, he was just he was giving me the high, he was giving me the high sign to know that it was we were done talking about the secret stuff. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. The secret stuff is over. Okay, that's interesting. So, uh, yeah, that's so does that answer your question, sir, about the? Uh... A bit, yes. Okay. Sorry to derail the podcast and uh, oh, hey, let's no, make no. Daniel a better no, 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 GM. No, no, no. But uh, listen, listen, I'm this squeezing is, as much info out of you guys as this I can. Is even less structured than our normal structure, which <laughs> yeah. is pretty. Yeah. I actually, I actually tried writing an outline for the show, and it was literally just okay. Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> or, or, no, uh, Thursday, Friday. Those are literally the days of the week, and I'm like, yeah, screw this. I'm not even going to waste the paper on it. <laughs> so, any other questions from the audience? Anybody want to know anything? I don't know what a game would look like if it was all combat. I mean, if you literally just sat down at the table and I Doesn't was like, roll Dragon's for initiative. Edition. If you sat, <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you sat down at the table and I immediately said, roll for initiative. I'm not sure what that game would even look like. I've done that before. Really? Yeah, it was uh, just complete in medias res. It's like, okay, you this is the situation. Roll initiative. And then they had the fight, and then I said, okay, now we're going to now. And now it's this is where well, it was more like, here's where you guys are. This is the situation. This is why you're here. Roll initiative. Fight. And then okay, let's move on. And, and this is what's going on. You're picking up the pieces, finding out why you had the fight in the first place, and so on. I think I was part of that. Game. I think so too. <laughs> yeah, no, you were, yes, you were. That was you. That was you, Stephen and Clay. Yes. Well, the first time I did Temple of Elemental Evil was an Ooh. awful lot of combat. I mean, it was a lot of combat, and, but there was, but that was fine because we were all enjoying ourselves, right? There was nothing wrong with that. But it was, uh, thinking back on it, it was pretty much, okay, next room, roll for initiative, fight, okay, explore <laughs> a little bit, next room, fight for, roll for initiative. And that's fine. Immediate rest, though, is an interesting way to open a game. And I've, I've done it once before and it, was, it went off really well, but it's, I would say that's more challenging. 
It really kind of is. But the reason why I did it was my campaign I did before that. It was I tried to start off a little bit more slowly. I let the characters introduce themselves, figure out the plot. But we meandered for about an hour and a half before we got to the actual story. And this was in fourth edition, which isn't a system that's built for meandering so much. It's built more for action. So I had to put, so I tried to push them forward. And that's when I came up with that campaign. I said, okay, you guys are in the middle of, I think it was a goblin raid. No, it was a cobalt. Cobalt yes. raid. And okay, and now now you've killed the cobalts, and so let's go figure out what they're doing and why they're here and blah blah. And and so it kind of rolled into that and it was just a way to get things going right off the bat. Do you guys understand what we mean when we say in medius res? It means right in the middle of the action. And it means instead of starting off with your typical, okay, old man has a quest for you in a tavern, or even saying like if it's uh you know daniel's game you will have a job that you're supposed to be doing um immediate rest starts you off right in the thick of stuff happening and like james Darryl bond says, movie intros are in like you rest. walk into um, like, like start off. Yeah. party is just coming to town they're all hungry they walk into a tavern and there's a brawl going on and the first person who walks to the door got a got a bottle to the head it's like starting and, a movie with a guy getting a punch in the face yeah and you're like wow what's going on he just this dude just got punched stand back the fighter needs three more experience points to level <laughs> <laughs> i got i got a, a story about this we did a a game of Shadows Angelus, which was this really long, really involved campaign I ran for 26 sessions. And I started a new campaign of it a few months later. And my players were just thrilled. They loved the setting. And they were writing stories about their new characters and what their new characters were going to be doing. And I had dropped a couple of hints about like one guy from the previous campaign was missing. And so they got it in their heads. They decided that that guy, this, that's, this must be what the first adventure is about. Was that guy's missing? We got to find out where he is. And they start writing stories about all the things they're doing in this investigation to find this guy. And I'm sitting back going, I, that's really not what the first adventure is about, but okay. <laughs> you know, uh, and I started, I started to think about, it. I'm like, I want to play with this. I wonder if there's a way to, 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 to kind of, you know, tweak their expectations on this a bit. And so they had, they had made all these plans. And they said, well, when the campaign starts, we're going to do this, 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 and this to find the missing guy, right? That was their plan. They had a, a, a list. And I said, okay. So I started the first adventure and I said, so you're all on top of a speeding mag rail train. <laughs> and the guy with the lowest physical strength, which is my friend Josh, is your character. The character with the lowest physical strength, yeah, just to be obvious. How would you hang on? He's, miles an hour. Right. Well, he's, he's gripping with one hand onto a woman that's dangling off the side. And she says, don't drop me. I know where Malachi Brogan is. That's the guy they were looking for. And that's how we started the adventure. And they're like, what? But, what? <laughs> what? How did this happen? And, and so that first scene, they were all, they were confused, but they were also excited. They were just pumped because this was totally not what they had planned for. And we had a big fight with some Yakuza and flying cars and they ended up crashing the train into the city and it was this huge kaboom. And then I said, all right, the screen goes dark and the words six hours earlier appear on the screen. <laughs> and I took them back in time, right? And, and led them up to the point where they investigate all the things that they had investigated, which led them to the Magrail train. And they're like, oh my God, this is where we were. Right? You know, they just ate it up with a spoon. And I, 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 I know I'm kind of bragging. I'm sorry about this, but, um, to me, this was a very successful use of the Enmedius rest. And it's something I'd love to try again someday. Go, go ahead, sir. You have a question. What if they would have absolutely refused to go anywhere near the Magrail train? 
Well, this was a this was a group of guys I knew really well. Okay. My my answer to that would have been to to do a Lenny and just be very transparent and say, guys, this is leading you back towards the thing that we started on. Can you work with me a little bit here? <laughs> right. Uh, I'm pretty good at laying breadcrumbs though that are important to characters. I'm pretty good at like, and if you do this, there's a thing your character's interested in over here. Right. Um, so I feel like I could probably manage it a number of ways. Um, but it, with, it, with a stranger, with, with a group of strangers like at a convention game, I don't know how. I mean, that's, that's a really tough sell, honestly. That's true. And this is also, this is, in this case, I surprised them. This is also something that'll come up very, very rarely, especially with new players to Shadowrun, where it's like, okay, you meet the Johnson, here's the job, and then they just say, nope. I'm not interested in this job, and then you've got it's to basically you basically yeah you basically just have to figure out why it is they're not basically all you got to say is dude this is what we've got planned this is the adventure for the night what's going on why is it that you're not wanting to do this and you know here's the funny thing if I were to give a new GM advice who wants to run Shadowrun I think one of the things I would say specifically for Shadowrun is come up with a scenario where saying no to the Johnson is the mission and then put that in your back pocket. Hmm. And then, if that happens, right now you've got you 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 set them up for the milk run, and the, uh, they they have that reaction. You're like, okay. And then I have the thing in my back pocket. I love how you guys always uh, preach about consequences, and I always <laughs> think about like, yeah, that Johnson might get kind of irked about about getting that job turned down. Well, it's not so much the job turned down; it's maybe he's um, secretly red samurai for Rinmaku, and it's Oh crap! Um, they know too much about the mission. They maybe they're working for Fuji. Hmm. Maybe we should make sure that they don't interfere with the runners we're actually going to hire. Yeah, that's one way to handle it. I think. Um, I think the the thing I think I would, if if it were me, right? Like I'm not saying everybody needs this, but if it were me, I think I would try and make like a. I would make a second runner team as bad guys, right? And I would say, okay, yeah, you didn't take that job, but these other guys did, and that. You know, just so happens to involve you because they, you know, part of their mission is, involves things that you do or that are important to you, like your contacts, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> or something mm-hmm. like that. And all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh my God, that's the job we turned down! Shit, those guys are now... Oh God, now what do we do?" <laughs> right? I don't know. What do you think, Daryl? That that sounds like a good solution too. I'm, I'm, There's a lot of different ways to handle it. I'm sure. I'm just pointing it out. I'm sitting here brainstorming like, okay, so what would I do then? I would pay the, so that the run takes them to here and because so, I needed that thing from their fixer and then their fixer ends up in the hospital. I've at, got a whole scenario running in the back least, of my head already. At least they're not trying to apply lube to a radio tower in the middle of a storm. It wasn't a storm. It was just we were high up in, in Seattle. So of course it's windy. <laughs> and for that story, you need to download the uh, actual yep. play. <laughs> Say what? Gone with the wind. Yeah. Name of the story. <laughs> uh, Mike, Mike, no, but it probably should have been. It probably should have been. Yeah. I think. We, I think we. I think we went with chestburster on that one because that was the. That was that the, was the end, same that, episode. Chestburster happened at the end of that one. Yeah. Yep. Our first mission was actually a bit of a an interesting thing. So, for anybody, you know, Daniel, I don't know if you've heard the first one we did, but the first one we did. Did we even record that? With the, yeah, yeah, we recorded it, but the, 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 the kid counts for half cover. Yes, the audio yeah. the audio was really bad on that because I had to go to my backup, backup, backup. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, I got uh, we've got that one on there, and that was uh, actually when I did a Reddit AMA uh, with Brandon a while back. Uh, he was doing it for uh, I can't remember, uh, I think it was for Runner Hub. Yeah, 
but uh, I I was participating too because of Gamers Tavern, and they were asking what was your favorite moment from anything. And someone came in and said, "Oh, that, I said mine." He said his, and he and some guy came up and said, "Oh yeah, my favorite moment was the kid. Does the kid count for half cover?" Yeah. <laughs> so the kid. So in the in the adventure, of the kid does the kid count for half cover? Um, we were hired to rescue a guy from a gang initiation. But what it turns out is the mission was actually a setup for us to become the guys who get killed for the gang initiation. Right? Yeah, he was, See how that works? Oh, yeah, he, he, he was ringing bells. He was, a, he was a bored rich kid who yeah. was wanting to basically just go screw the Halloweeners is what we were told. Yeah. And it turns out we were getting set up for a gang initiation to, for them to – and we're like – yeah, rescue in quotation marks. You're going in there to rescue him, and uh, when we show up, they're like, "Oh, these are the Shadowrunners you brought in for to kill for us." And we're like, "Oh God!" No, I, I loved it. That was a really awesome moment because I, I had a really badass moment that just just got totally subverted. <laughs> I still remember this moment. That's the moment I'm like, "Okay, Brandon's good at this." Shit. Yeah, he was very but good. It at was that. Um, the kids running up, and he's about to because we're because he's going to run up and like do something stupid to their hangout, and so he runs up. So I pull out my gun that's loaded with stun rounds and just go pat pat. Yeah. And shoot him in the back and <laughs> knock him down face first. My job was to get him, keep him alive. It yeah. wasn't to keep, it wasn't to keep him conscious or keep his <laughs> dignity. I'm a, I'm a bodyguard. My job is to keep the subject alive in any way I have to. That's that was why the only option I had. And then every, all the gamers like, Oh shit. Oh, that, that was, God, and his street name sick. is babysitter, right? Yeah, That's why his street name is. It was actually, and that was, a, I loved that little moment. And then I ended up getting called tank instead. But yeah, he ended up getting called tank because I couldn't kill you. But the, <laughs> but the, I, I love I love the backstory I came up with babysitter was that my guy was a corporate drone who his job was to uh, he was a freelance contractor specifically for a corporation who then kicked him out because of drama and he was a bodyguard and he couldn't hang out with all the actual security people because they wouldn't they didn't want to hang out with this another contractor they saw him as a shadow runner so he hung out the shadow runner bars and all the shadow runners kept calling him babysitter as a joke because he wasn't a real runner he just babysat corporate drones all the time yeah yeah there's a there's a lot of fun twists to making shadow run i think i think it's a game that's that works well for putting little fun twists and surprises. I think players respond well to them in Shadowrun, typically. I have to admit that uh, that was one disappointment I had about this con. I was hoping to find some kind of Shadowrun game to jump in on, but uh, I didn't see any out there. Do you, are you guys aware of any that were going I on? I didn't see any, no. I didn't, I didn't see... I didn't see any, but I haven't spent a whole lot of time in the game room. They usually have at least a couple. I remember last year there was... Uh, there were, like, some guys... One guy ran, like, two a day every single day. Well, let's 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 talk about what we did see up there. We saw a ton of Pathfinder Society. Yep. Yes. And that's great. I mean, I I love to see that. Uh, the, the Pathfinder Society would have taken up the entire room from 2 years ago. Yes. And there was uh they were also running the card game, which is Pathfinder Adventure. Adventure Pathfinder yeah. Adventure card game. Adventure card game. And there was uh, Star Wars. There was a decent amount of Star Wars and a decent amount of D&D 5e mm-hmm. uh 5th edition. And the League of Legends has their server set up upstairs yeah and but was there other games other than those i mean um, um yeah there was dark nova obviously dark nova's running their Legacy. stuff uh unisystem was running their thing that's Sheena's system game. yeah um i want to say there was some a couple i want to say they ran caveman a couple of times uh cave master cave yeah. master yes was there any white wolf anybody playing white wolf well you know dave martin was here with his wrecking crew so i think yeah. they had to they had there. to but I, I i know there was at least one larp because at a convention, there's always a white wolf. Oh, yeah. We saw uh, some foam swords being whirled 
Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's a bopper LARP. That's different than the oh, White Wolf okay. LARPs. Okay. But uh, I don't know if there was any tabletop uh, White Wolf, though. I, um, I have to assume that there was, but I didn't actually see it. And I know there was at least one Champions or Hero System. Really? Because yeah, I, I remember seeing that on the schedule. Really? Before I came here. Well, that might have been my game. No, it wasn't because that was Shadows Angeles. Yes. So I signed up for that. Okay. And then we were double booked and no one was there. Yeah, I, we did have some. Unfortunately, I had to cancel two of my games because uh, I, yeah. I played a bar trip game called Double Vision. Ah. Uh, I finally remember the name. <laughs> what, what, what is your name, sir, for the listeners? I'm Dwayne Fox. Dwayne Fox. He says he's played Double Vision. And what was Double Vision like? It was interesting. You had a. Uh, you had little tasks that you had. First, you had to find a party. You went around the board, and there were different parties you could go to. And uh, you uh, you performed bar tricks for drinks, like close one eye and and toss the dice over your head from the left hand to the right hand, or uh, spell double vision party game backwards. <laughs> oh, so it sounds <laughs> with, with your eyes closed. Yeah, it's. it's it's, it's like a real life kind of physical kind of game. Yeah, it's a physical kind of game. But did they have you? Did they have you go into a breathalyzer at any point? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't see one, uh, but it, it, we had a lot of fun with that one. Sweet. Hey, you know what? Um, I'd like to call Paul up here. Actually, you, you mind coming Come up, on, Paul? Paul? Come on. What's your last name, sir? Sword. Paul Sword. So, Paul, uh, what games did you play? This weekend? Um, not too much. I was watching the Star Wars Attack Wing a little bit because I had played Star Trek Attack Wing. Yeah. And I'd heard they're quite similar, or very similar, but some important differences. Yeah, the uh, first so was, game was X Wing. Yeah. And uh, I actually play tested and worked on that a little bit when I was at Fantasy Flight Games. Okay. Uh, my good friend Jay Little designed it. And then that became the basis for Star Trek and Dungeons Dragons Attack Wing and now Armada and a few other games. So, mm. yeah. It's a big, good pedigree on that one. <laughs> Have you played the Star Trek one? Uh, yes, actually, Daniel and I play it. Uh, no kidding. Pretty regularly, yeah. Well, hell, I'm I am like a super Trekkie right now, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's gotten us more into, generally, I would consider myself more in the Star Wars vein, pretty pretty solidly, but just playing Attack Wing has gotten me into Star Trek pretty pretty good. So what, uh, what do you play in Star Trek Attack Wing? Um, I think Romulans for life. <laughs> I usually end up playing Federation. I prefer the Klingons for the cloaking, and because um, I just I like being sneaky. Uh, but but Kablam. generally, I end up playing uh, Federations. Okay, so you're Fed, and sometimes Klingon, and you're you're Romulan. Generally, Romulan. Daniel. Yeah, I'll I'll play. Uh, you know, I like to play the strange ships like the. I'm kind of excited for the species uh, A472. The have a, yeah. Yeah, they're going to have a beta ship out in the fall. So I like playing the bioship Alpha. So nice. once the beta comes out. Yeah, there's the, the Nikor class, and uh, I believe the other one is... See, if, okay, here's my problem. I play Star Trek Online, okay, <laughs> and I play the crap out of it. So, I, like, I've memorized every single, like, ship designation. So, mm-hmm. sorry, I'm just going through my head catalog right now. Okay, that's the Nikor, Undine, Species A472. I'm sorry. Well, something that Paul and I like to do, and, you know, we've played some local tournaments and things and played with people in comic book shops and all, but we'll get together and go through the mission cards that comes with the expansions. And uh, some of them are a lot of fun, and they're made to be, you know, kind of 
unbalanced and favor one player because they sort of coincide with you mm-hmm. know certain events in the storyline. So just the the different scenarios that those prevent. And I like those too because they're uh, truncated a little bit. Like if you're just playing a free form game with 120 points. We've had those go for three, four hours on occasion, and but the the mission ones they have a set time limit, a set turn limit, I should say, and once it's over, it's over, and then you can take a break, cool. get a drink, do something else, and then come back to it. Now, do you get back to Comic Palooza for a second? Um, you said you didn't actually play the Armada or the X Wing game, but you you were watching them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had just started the tournament when I was watching in the game room, and uh, it was interesting. Is it was. I liked seeing that there was a lot of different tactics that were viable rather than just having a standard sort of three-ship array. There was guys with two ships versus guys with, like, five fighters or six fighters. And it was interesting to see that um, both tactics seemed to be useful. Hmm. I like that. Interesting. So did you? What, what did you get to play, if anything? Uh, we, uh, I think Daniel mentioned it earlier. We played Zombie Dice. Um, we got up there kind of late. And it was right before we came in here, so we were looking for something light. I assume we'll be going back over there after this okay. and uh, check something else out. So you and you, you and Daniel Place will play the same stuff? Yeah. Okay, cool. Did you guys, uh, did you see anything that, that Daniel maybe didn't? Or um, anything that, that stuck out to you about the con? The artists. I'm an artist myself. And oh, yeah. So coming out here and getting to talk with artists that are really good, that I look up to, that I've gone and gotten books with their work in it specifically because I like that artist. It's really cool to come and talk to them yeah. and just get some feedback with them and see where they come from and um, how they go about it. It's, that's just fascinating to me. I love doing that. Lauren, Daryl, did you guys see some artists that you thought were awesome? Uh, yeah, there's an artist here called uh, Tom Carlton. Uh, he's out of Dallas, and mm-hmm. he does some amazing work. I've worked with him before at previous shows, and it was really awesome to see him here on his own with his own booth. Cool. And he's just been making sales like crazy, he says. And I also was uh, talked with uh, Christine Parmeter from uh, CCP Comics. They're based out of Austin. I got to go say hi, see if some of her new works. And just in general, walking around the art floor, I got to see the shield car, and I got to see Dean's baby from Supernatural. Yes, the Impala. <laughs> the Impala is down there in its old story. Yes, it was amazing. I was, took pictures and posted them on my personal Facebook page. Yeah, I took I pictures had too. Every girl that I am friends with completely fangirl out over the pages. Oh my gosh, I can't believe! I was like, yeah. I was there. I saw it. I touched it. <laughs> Daryl, did you see uh, artist stuff that you thought was pretty amazing? Uh, yes. Don't ask me their names. Well, I got to I talk. Just, to, I just kind of suck at that. Kind of I got thing. to talk to Chuck McCloud, who co-created the New Mutants with Chris Claremont. Yeah, oh, nice. There, yeah. And we had a really interesting conversation about like, cause he, cause he defined the visual look, you know, of the characters, and he had some really interesting things to say. And I don't know. I, I, I grew up with that comic, so I was like, this is awesome for me. Uh, Paul, anything else you saw that you know you want to you want to specifically call out and say it was awesome about Comic Palooza? Yeah, I mean, just the whole experience. Is uh, like Daniel. This is my first con to ever be at, and uh, well, you picked a good one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, you know, having no real experience, I feel like this was this was. It definitely makes you make plans bar. for next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've been talking about that. Yeah, I'd like that. to uh, elaborate a little bit on Paul's uh, experience with some artists. Um, so I brought him by a booth um, yesterday. Devin Lawson 
and he, I bought a couple of prints from him of these amazing, uh, like, uh, pinup style portraits of Batman villains, you know, Poison Ivy and Harley Catwoman and Harley Quinn. And his art was just so great and he was such a nice guy to talk with. And I brought Paul by his booth to look through his sketchbook and all. And, you know, I'm, I'm not really a artist or anything, but, to see the two of them just kind of, you know, discussing sketch techniques and types of pencils and everything else was pretty neat to see. It's fun watching people click. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A mutual hatred of Rob Leefield. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sir, why don't you move up to the front here and pull up a chair and you can actually just speak right in that microphone. We need to get you on the show, too. Oh, yeah, Rob Leefield, man. Ooh, there's a whole page on the web you can go to find all of his stuff. Huh? He's well. Uh, that's what Linkara says, is that he's not an artist. Okay, sir. Please introduce yourself. I'm sorry, Brent Fox, right? Uh, Dwayne. Dwayne. Dwayne Fox. Fox yes. Uh, actually, I have a friend who's an artist, uh, but he's colorblind, so he only does black and white. Uh, but he's not here yet. <laughs> so. They say that Van Gogh is colorblind. Yeah. Well, he, well, no, no, he, he had, had a touch of chromia. He could see um, extra colors. Yes, basically, essentially. And uh, I think it was Rembrandt as well had a specific type of colorblindness, and that's what made his uh, colors unique. So, this, uh, so I'm sorry, um, Dwayne. Yes. What is the the thing, the takeaway from you about Comic Palooza? The most important, most awesome thing. Uh, some of the panels were really amazing. Uh, memoirs of a six foot blonde haired geisha was really amusing about a lady that spent lots of time in in Tokyo. Oh, that's interesting. And uh, her her cultural experiences were great. I like the writers' panels. The writers' panels were awesome. Uh, I, I asked lots of questions, and I got lots of good answers. So, good deal. Which uh, which writers were on the panel? Uh, Mercedes Lackey, uh, and Larry Dixon, and I think that was uh, Cargill. See Robert Cargill on that one. Yes, yes, yeah. I believe so. He's a friend of mine, so. He's, he's a friend of ours. Well, yes. <laughs> I, I, introduced, I introduced Ross to Cargill for the first time this well, week. I met, in person. Yeah, in but person. They had, yeah. Met, they had met, they had interactions when Ross was at Fantasy Flight. So. Yeah, he's, he's a really cool, really cool dude. And, uh, it's neat that he was on this panel with him. I have a horrible memory for names, but. Now, Mercedes Lackey is, of course, um, just fantastic. And I think I mentioned uh, earlier that she was uh, very generous. She gave me a bunch of uh, uh, book plates for her stuff signed that she she did just just because I was a fan. I didn't have to pay a thing for it. I was like, wow. I mean, how many people give out their autograph for free at Comic Palooza when you have one of those big booths? But she did. She, and she gave me like four or five of them. Yep. You know, because I told her how much I've read like every single one of her books. But uh, yeah, I wish I could have gone to those, those literary panels. They sound like they'd be really cool. Yeah, the Zombie Writers panel was, <laughs> was, was really interesting and, and about, you know, how you could ask questions about you know, dispersion. Wait, wait, of wait, zombies. wait. They're zombies and writers. <laughs> They're writers. What do they write zombies. about? They write about zombies. Brains. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they do zombie fiction. Oh, so. oh they're, they're actually not zombies themselves. Okay. They're not zombies. Right. They're, they're not zombies. You got me confused there for a second. What do vegetarian zombies say? <laughs> Grains. <laughs> yes. And the plumber zombie says drains. But on the bumps. But yeah, it's a. Uh, I I think it's fascinating how different the, the the writing is from like screen writers to authors to comic book writers to playwrights. You know they 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 all have a different take on the process of writing in general, mm-hmm. and it, I just it's just fascinating to me. 
And I'm sure it's the same way with artists. Yeah, there's there's a thing these guys were talking about earlier about seeing like all the artists here. And what's interesting is I, I go to a lot of cons. I've been to anime cons, been to Gen Con, things like that. And there's always like, you know, Artist Alley at those things where they have guys that come up and show their stuff. But that's usually like a very small or segregated, you know, portion of the con. And here, it's right in the smack dab in the middle. It's like that, that's what the dealer's hall is for the most part. It's like a ginormous, like, artist alley. And it's, it's kind of amazing. Um, I actually like the way they did it this year because, uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before or both of those, but they had it where here's one side of the con is all the dealer's rooms. And then here's all the autograph booths in the middle. And then on the far side was artist alley. Yeah. They, they mixed but it they up. Were, but it was both the same size. Yeah. So artist alley was always as big as the dealer's yeah. room, but you had that big section in the middle where all the autograph booths Right now, they moved the autograph booths all the way over here, and then over here, and then here's Artist Alley right beside those. So if you want autographs, you walk past all these independent artists in the Artist Alley. Yeah, and on top of that, you, they put all the AutoCAD and robotics guys. Did you see the AutoCAD? Maker's Fair. I did not get to go to Maker's any of the Maker's Fair stuff again. It's really cool. I got to three printed, three D printed stuff. Anyway, point being is that they have things like that, and and you guys, um. Dwayne and Paul and Daniel, you guys are all extremely lucky because the dealer's hall here has nice, broad, wide walkways. (laughs) Even on Saturday when there's tons of people, you're not just cheek to jowl. Well, last year it wasn't like that. It was, they were a lot closer together. There was more people here. And I think people complain. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Even last year, I think Daryl and I talked about how wide, compared to the cons we go to, like Gen Con, yeah, it was a veritable thoroughfare yeah. compared to the the tiny, teeny tiny little aisles we get at Gen Con. Get, here, here. I'm so used at conventions to playing just bumper cars, <laughs> getting from point A to point B, and you're just like, I have to go to the bathroom, but you keep running into me, I'm not going to have to go anymore. Well, there's, <laughs> you know? there's the guy with the giant backpack, too, yeah, that always just like stops and turns <laughs> to look at something, and all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> like a there's, wall. Al- there's always two that always got me. One was the baby stroller. Where they've got the baby in the papoose, but the stroller has all their games that, and books and comics they bought. And two is the cosplayer with the awesome, looks great, big, huge, giant, eight foot wings that they didn't put in a mechanism to fold them in. And so when they turn around, they're popping you in the back of the head. Oh, well, yeah, and then people or they have pictures. to stop the cosplayer yeah. stopping in the middle of At, the aisle. Usually in Actually, a crosswalk, they stop in a crosswalk. Yep. Yeah. And then it's like four lanes, and people are like, "What is going on?" You know? The big giant wings can be a hint. Helpful feature if you're outside during the parade and they turn around and create that nice parade. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the parade? There was a parade? I, yeah, on Saturday. I, well, I don't think it was oh, Saturday. I was talking about it. No, it wasn't. There was just a parade. Yeah, totally zombified. Oh, okay. I, was, I was all inside. Sa- all day. Yeah, Saturday downtown was nuts. There was a Rockets playoff game across the street <laughs> with a carnival in a parking lot a block up the road, plus the parade, plus a music festival and a free concert. Yeah. And um, a uh, soccer game. Yeah, just, you know, a, a partridge in a pear tree. People yeah. are early. <laughs> I'm glad I got my parking early. Yeah. I was gracious. I was awesome enough to have a friend that lives about 10 minutes from here who let me stop and drop off my car at his place and then drove me in. So I didn't have to pay for parking and I'm just going to have to hop on the light rail early tomorrow morning, mm-hmm. go pick up my car, come back to the hotel. Pick everything up and go it, home. Getting getting in early is definitely a must, I'd say, because while we got in Saturday, right when things were opening at about 10, uh, we saw the parking 
lot attendance switching out the signs for higher prices the closer it got to noon because it's like mm-hmm. we sat there and watched the parking go up from 15 and they switched them out to $25 and then the $20 ones were $50 for parking and <laughs> yep. uh, but you know the rest of the convention it was just Saturday I guess because of all the other events like you guys said because today we we had free parking no problem yeah Monday's um really surprisingly empty I mean I just it's yeah. like a ghost town around here man well, they are actually calling for some severe weather this afternoon in yeah. the Houston metro area and so. a lot of people and a lot of people don't actually get normal bank holidays off unfortunately yeah it is Memorial Day okay and a lot of people uh, who were from out of town yeah. ended up having to go home yesterday due to the flooding I okay. mean I don't, yeah, it really sense. has been wiped out uh, okay. San Marcos is underwater and a lot of people came Ouch. in from the hill country and are having to they're getting phone calls from families saying you need to come home and check on your house okay so that makes sense because I'm used to Gen Con right yeah. and Gen Con mm-hmm. is like this size but it is packed all the way through to Sunday like Sunday 5 p.m. is what this feels like yeah. right at Gen Con a lot of people uh, always uh, I remember uh, it was Will yesterday was saying something like a this is a con with two Saturdays because Sunday is a middle day. And to me, no, this is a con with two Sundays. Sunday feels like Sunday and Monday feels like an even lazier laid back Sunday. Well, so, well, that's not to say that there's not a lot going on on Sunday, the actual Sunday. And I think, uh, I think the reason why we may only have three people here is I found, I looked at my schedule. Uh, the, the Q and A that's going on right over there is, uh, I keep wanting to say River Summer Glow. Summer Glow. Summer Glow. So. Yeah. Well, you may have heard of her. So she's, she's kind of a big deal. So. I have a special request for you guys, Uh-oh. Ross Uh-oh. and Daryl. What is it? So oh. I'm I'm working my way through your episodes and stuff. I think I've about caught up for the Gamers Cavern. But uh, <laughs> maybe you've already covered this. But so you guys have went to all these conventions and stuff. So I don't live very far from this convention. Would you guys want to do like maybe a little blurb, maybe tack it on to this episode of like, like. A con checklist. So like, if I'm going to travel to Gen Con, how much preparation and like what all goes start into? Pre- start preparing now for Gen Con 2016. We did do a we did a, a <laughs> yeah. con survival guide episode. Didn't you did. We? Uh, we did uh, two parts in that. One was about running and playing games at the right. Game. Then we had one that was just uh, that was uh, um, uh, Tom Lommel's on that one. Yeah, Tom okay. Lommel. Okay. Okay. For the major conventions, con. you need to plan at minimum year in advance. Okay. Because the first thing you that you have to do is secure your housing. Make sure you have some place to stay. Well, because that's the first thing. Indianapolis you hotels are sold out for Gen Con this year. So yeah. if you're good when you're sleeping in your car. The first thing I thought of coming here was, wow, we need a hotel right next door to this thing for next year. Yeah, and the, the Hilton being across the Skywalk is just amazing for convenience. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you go to a big con like um, Dragon Con or Gen Con, I think that's also really important. Uh, I remember, I think, God, my first year at Gen Con, I, I got a hotel like six blocks away and it just killed me. It just killed me trying to carry my big old bag for gaming yeah. books back and forth. I was like, oh, yeah, God. we're staying at the Hyatt Regency and I've, I've walked to that hell, hotel. Did you just call it hell? Yeah, hell. I've walked these. No, 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 the, the, hotel, the hotel is perfectly fine. The hotel is wonderful. Walking, oh, just walking, yeah, walking 10 blocks through construction zone. Yeah, it was downtown walking Houston. 10 blocks through construction and being followed for three blocks by some strange man whom I did not know until I grabbed my keys and put them in my hand. And then he backed off and went his own direction. Well, wow. well you know what they say here in Texas? Uh, 
a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. Wow. Well, yeah. Well, this one was stalking me for three blocks wow. in broad daylight. Yeah. He could have been a really good friend then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Hold on one second. I need to do something real fast. Oh, all right. Okay, I think that fixed it. Well, uh, I want to make sure... Her technical that, difficulties. I want to make sure we call out uh, that game room one more time, just because I was really worried that there was not going to be... You were going to be able to hear anybody, right? Because it's just mm-hmm. a giant room with tables. And usually what that means is the noise level is really high. But what happened was there was enough space between the tables and enough, frankly, empty tables at any given time that I didn't have a problem. You know, yeah. I just sat down and I heard everyone was going on the table. I, did, I didn't see what it looked like Saturday afternoon. That might have been that might have been the one time, but yeah. but yeah, there were a lot of tables, lots, of, and that's what I really liked. Is there was a lot of room. It was I normally at some cons I have to like navigate slowly between the tables because when people are sitting out, you got two tables across from each other. The aisles are like my fat ass can't fit through these two yeah. chairs. <laughs> but there was plenty plenty of room between each of the tables that I could easily navigate around. Well, let's let's ask there. Let's ask our special guests, um, Dwayne, Paul, Daniel. Did any of you guys have any issues with sound in the games room? No, I thought it was great. I mean, there were people sitting a couple tables over, you know, telling these grand stories, running their RPG games, and while we're playing Betrayal at House on the Hill, there was all sorts of loud smack talk going on, and I don't think we were we were really bothering anyone, and we could hear everything just fine, and it seemed like there were tons of games going on, just no telling how many. Yeah. And uh but there were still tables available to to just sit down if you had brought your own whatever. Yeah, Paul, you guys concur? Yeah, absolutely. Um having just come from over there a little while ago, there was um dense areas and there was sparse areas and if you really really needed some quiet, you could go to the off to the corner and there was nobody around for, you know, 20 30 feet. But even when you're right next to somebody, a table away, it's still you know, you can you can talk. It's, like a, it's big but intimate. There's like about yeah. there's a good yeah. like ten feet yeah. between each table. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, there's plenty of room, and you can just talk at a normal volume, and it's just it's fine. Yeah, yeah and you don't good. have to turn around and whack someone and who's sitting in a chair with your backpack on accident. <laughs> yeah, and there's plenty of space around the table. You don't feel yeah. like you're squished in. So I'm gonna um, I'm actually gonna shift into our 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 second gear here because we're getting close to our time limit. I want to start with Dwayne. Dwayne, what are your final thoughts on Comic Palooza for 2015? Uh. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, I spent way too much time <laughs> trying to finish the dealer's room. Uh, I, I, I love my I love my panels. I love the retro video game area with the awesome music. Yes, <laughs> yes, that was fun. Yes, uh, it's just it's all around good. It's all around a good experience. You come back next year? I usually do, but <laughs> well, I mean, do you have, do you plan to come back next I, year? Oh yeah, sure. Okay. I plan. And Paul, what are your final thoughts on Comic Palooza? Uh, ten, ten, A triple plus, Woodcon again. <laughs> <laughs> There's the show title. Woodcon again. Are you coming back next year? Oh yeah, absolutely. Right, this time, because this time it was it was pretty spur of the moment. Um, so next time I'm going to plan for it and save right. up and you know actually much go more prepared. Exactly. I want to I want to ask you guys a thing actually um, right before I jump to Daniel, but. Uh, if you guys do plan to come back next year, I would really, uh, I would, I would take it as a personal favor if you thought about, uh, registering to run a game. Cause I think it's actually a great experience that everybody should have at least once just to run a game at a con. Mm-hmm. Uh, to give it a shot and see what it's like. Yeah. 
Yeah, so. actually, I think I'd like to do that. Okay. That would be you can meet fun, lots actually, of yeah. new people during that. Yeah, I bet. Daniel, what are your final thoughts on Comicalism? Well, you know, it, it turned into a, you know, oh, we'll go just do this for one day. Oh, we'll do it for two days. And now it's three days. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm kind of thinking about, man, I, all that stuff I missed out on on Friday. So, yeah, without a doubt, I'll be back next year. Yeah, you're hooked. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was a blast. Dave Martin would say they got the hook in you. Oh, yeah, yeah. He does that thing where he grabs his cheek and like acts like he's got you on a hook. Uh, yeah, I hope uh, I hope that you guys do come back next year, and I hope you get to see people like uh, Lenny and Brian and Dave Martin and all those guys come back and, and maybe me. Hopefully, if I, if I meet, I will totally be here. I really hope we'll be here. I do too. I do too. I just can't guarantee it because twice in a row is like that's awesome, but three times like uh, you know I don't know. We'll see. So Lauren, why don't you tell us? Final thoughts, Comic Palooza 2015. My final thoughts. Thought, Despite the creepy stalker. My <laughs> final thoughts on Comic Palooza 2015 are I can't wait till next year. All right. Because I'm going to bring Gamers Tavern back bigger and better than it's ever been. Yeah. And get more people involved, setting us up and tables to run games and teach games and stuff like that. And this was my actually my first Houston Comic Palooza. I've gone to mm-hmm. small ones, but nothing ever this big. Uh, that's uh, a comic book convention. I've been to Acon in yeah. Dallas. Oh, yeah, me too. I've been there. Yeah. Um, but I had a blast, and I cannot wait for it again, even though I have shin splints and my feet hurt. <laughs> um, and I have had more coffee than food over the past three days. <laughs> I can't wait for next year, and I'm already making plans. Okay, here's a thought. You know, I just had a, I just had a, a thought. Daryl, yes. see what you think of this. Why don't we make sure to connect Daniel and Paul and De- uh, what's your name again, sir? I'm sorry, Dwayne. 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 What, I'm sorry. I'm horrible. We it's these, okay. I'm horrible. Horrible. Plus, what if we got plus these? Three it's people? Monday. It's I know. Monday. But what if we got these three people and hooked them up with Will Thrasher and the Skirmisher Pavilion guys? Oh, that'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah. Because I mean, we talked about how awesome those dudes are and all the stuff that they do, mm-hmm. and. If we, if they, if the, if these guys do really feel like they want to run a game next year, there's not no better group to get them connected to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Than those. Skirmishers, some good guys, yeah. and there's also um, Jason Yarnell D3. Oh yeah, yeah. He's there's a gamer. So, He's always looking for people. So there's to more than one option here. Yeah, mm-hmm. you guys. Yeah, there's a couple of groups that that come every year. You guys should maybe uh, look into uh, doing something with them, and that way you get you know even more exposure. Well, whenever you run a game, <laughs> how do you think your players would? Uh, Kind of react to see you covered in body paint and, and <laughs> costume and everything because uh, Saturday I had some friends come that were Cosplay. all cosplayed out and uh, we're working I, on ideas. I saw a table last night that was Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, yes. Joker. Uh, the Joker, and um, Wonder Woman. I think was, was it Wonder or, Woman? or Captain America? If you know Captain America, <laughs> no, it was a, a Black Cat. Blackout. There you go. Just bring yeah. costumes for your potential players. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daryl. Final thoughts, sir. Final thoughts. It is an absolutely amazing convention. I've had fun all three years I've been here. I cannot wait until next year. So you've been three times. Yes. So you at this table, you have the most comic clues experience. I, I don't know. Did Dwayne? Uh, it's it's been hit or miss for me because I uh, work so much. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is my this is my third year, and I it's the only competition this convention has in the state of Texas, and I would say probably in a good 500 mile radius 
maybe even a thousand mile radius. I'm not sure exactly how far Indianapolis and Atlanta are. But the only competition this convention has anywhere near here is PAX South. Yeah. In terms of the size, the scope, and how smoothly it's run. I agree. Uh, my final thoughts are, are basically that, that this is fast becoming one of those major Dragon Con size or Dragon Con impact, you know, significance style uh, cons. It is the con I think of whenever I'm holding up another con for like a standard, like, you know, is it as good as Comic Palooza? Is it as interesting as Comics Palooza? And uh, having said that, I've never been to Dragon Con. I'm sure that there's reasons why Dragon Con is, still, is awesome on its own, right? Dragon but, Con's an all around con. Sure. It's just everything. But, but Comic Palooza is fast doing that as well. Right. And, and Dragon Con and Comic Blues are very similar in what they cover. Yeah. For me personally, Comic Blues is one of my favorite cons of all time. Absolutely, I will come back. If they invite me to be a guest, I would love to come back and be a guest. It's just amazing. And I can't wait to see what they do next year to make it even bigger and even better. Yeah. Because by then, I think the construction that's going on on the convention center should right. be done. And that's going to bring us to the end of this special episode unless there's something you wanted to say go ahead sir shout out to all my people who are still playing torg after all this time <laughs> <laughs> you yes you, yes torg is awesome <laughs> all right and until next time may all your hits be crits what is the most important invention in all of mankind beer Long-time listeners will know how much I love good alcohol, but when it comes to craft beers, there's so much out there, it can be intimidating. What's the difference between a brown ale and an IPA? And why is there so much German, Hefeweizen, Bach, Dunkel? Where do you start? I'll tell you where. Craft Beer Club. For just $3 each, you'll get three bottles of four different beers right to your door every single month from independent craft brewers of the best quality. In just a short amount of time, you'll be snobbing up with the hipsters talking about nose and hops. But Daryl, I can get a 12-pack cheaper at the local store, you say. But can you get specialty regional small batch beers at that price with this much selection? I didn't think so. Besides, you know you'd spend twice that much at a bar for the same beers just to try them out. So go to gamerstavern.org slash craftbeerclub and we'll start you out with your first shipment plus three free gifts. That's GamersTavern.org slash craft beer club and start enjoying real beer.